Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching. And if you are parenting a sensitive child who is stuck in the meltdown cycle and feeling like they need stricter punishment, stricter uh, rules, or wondering if your parenting is too passive, then make sure you stick around. We are going to cover this topic today and I uh, look forward to having this discussion. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. So here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. That means that children who are having meltdowns on a daily, multiple times a day basis, multiple times a week beyond age four, uh, if, if that's how old your kid is, that's not developmentally appropriate. And it's very likely that your child is highly sensitive. Highly sensitive kids who struggle and, and demonstrate the meltdown cycle are children who feel big feelings. They have big destructive behaviors to go with it if they're stuck in the meltdown cycle. And parents feel very frustrated, right? You can feel extremely exhausted, helpless, overwhelmed, and uh, really can, can get into quite the uh, argument with either your co-parent or other parents who are, uh, or other um, uh, support systems who are wondering whether or not you're being either too soft or too hard with your kiddo. And so we're here to talk about this, all right? And, and cover it related to the concept of punishment and uh, what sort of approach you need to take for breaking out of the meltdown cycle specifically. Now, meltdowns don't always include meltdowns. The meltdown cycle includes big negative behaviors like shutting down, refusing, saying things like, I wish I were dead or life would be better off without me or I just wanna go away, I can't handle this anymore, and having those statements happen regularly as well as uh, outbursts like yelling, hitting, kicking, screaming, running away. And when your child is demonstrating these behaviors, it means that your child is suffering, right? Children do not want, do not choose to feel misery. They do not choose to feel anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. That means that there's always an emotion underneath that anger that is bringing the anger to the surface and it's important for you as a parent to really understand this that this is this is not your child choosing to misbehave and so when uh when parents especially in a two-parent pair um, are looking at the the child's behavior your child's behavior from an angle from different and opposing angles We've talked about this before on our show where you can swing from one end of the pendulum to the next, right? You can think that if you're, okay, if I'm not gonna punish, then I need to talk about it over and over and over and over again to get my kid to respond because if I'm not gonna punish, then I might as well um, just, you know, just keep on letting it happen. <laughs> and, and that isn't necessarily a conscious choice, it's just what happens when we see parents who initially have our, our, our 
trying to avoid punishing the child. And by punishing, I mean engaging in any sort of corporal punishment, like spanking or nose on the wall or uh, timeouts, right? So other punishments would be creating a situation that your child will experience as unpleasant in order to quote unquote, teach the child to stop the behavior that led to the unpleasant uh, experience that the parent is inflicting. So that's like spanking, uh, timeouts, removal of privileges that have nothing to do with the child's behavior. So taking away an iPad when the child won't come to the breakfast table on time um, because you know they're, they're not getting out of bed, um, threatening to remove privileges. You're not gonna be able to go to the party if uh, you can't brush your teeth, right? So um, engaging in, in things like, I'm not gonna take you to your friend's house later if, uh, if you don't do your chores, all of that, right? So using threatening language, um, basically bribing the child with threats as well. So um, the, other, the other response would be to bribe, right? Um, if you do this, then I will give you a sticker. If you do this, then I will give you $10. If you do this, then, then you'll earn your, uh, your allowance for the week. All of that is bribery. And this is still traditional parenting. And so highly sensitive children do not respond well to traditional parenting. It tends to drive a wedge between the parent-child relationship because the parent is in control of the child's behavior when the parent is trying to teach the child that they are in control of the behavior. So you're actually contradicting yourself when you use traditional parenting strategies or more coercive parenting strategies. I'm gonna do this thing to you so that you behave in the way that I want you to. And if you don't do that, then I'm gonna do this thing to you. And so you better listen to me because I'm the one in charge. But you better be in charge of your behavior, otherwise I'm gonna be the one in charge of you. So there's a cyclical experience here that is extremely confusing to the child and highly sensitive children respond even more poorly than non-highly sensitive children when these parenting tactics are used. What happens for the highly sensitive child is they go straight to shame. I'm the worst, you're the worst. They blame, they, they uh, rescind responsibility even more because uh, the dynamic is that it's a you versus me dynamic. You don't understand how big this problem is for me or how hard it is for me to accomplish this experience, um, to, to be uh, consistent for you because of my low self-esteem, because of my low self-concept, and because I don't uh, feel capable of tolerating change, which is a, a transition issue. So when highly sensitive children are all struggling with this, uh, parents can go one of two ways. They either go all the way in, you know what, tough nuts, buttercup, I had to suck it up when I was a kid and I turned out just fine. Or uh, they go into, well, you, whoa, that made it worse. I guess you can't handle that. Um, I might as well dance around the subject, beat around the bush, walk on eggshells, whatever, pick your cliche, <laughs> and, um, and, and treat you like you're fragile, okay? So you know you don't want to use punishment. You, don't, you know you don't want to use lecturing. You know you don't want to use uh, sticker charts or anything else, but the gentle parenting, right, which is the fad word for uh, attachment parenting or um, another fad word for positive parenting, 
feels like it's too soft, right? Especially if you have, um, uh, if you expect yourself to have a never ending uh, well, uh, well of patience, you end up finally uh, crashing and, and, and burning into your own uh, original um, uh, parenting strategies that you're trying to avoid, which is the punishment because you yell, right? You overextend yourself and then you yell, which is uh, punishment for the child. And what happens is that you get stuck in this cycle, as does your child. And so the highly sensitive uh, meltdown cycle is a family dynamic issue. It is not a parenting issue. It is not a child-only issue either. It is a family dynamic issue. Every single person in the family participates in this cycle, whether you like it or not. And so you have to look at this from the angle of solving it as a family dynamic problem. Every single person in the family needs to be addressed through this dynamic, okay? So here's what's really happening. When you are quote unquote gentle parenting and teaching your child to notice their emotions, telling them that their emotions are too big for them to handle, you can take good care of them, you end up reassuring them, right? It's gonna be all right. I see you have big feelings about this. Wow, those feelings are really big. Oh boy, let's talk about it. Let's sit, sit on my lap, share with me all of these emotions. And what happens? Your child either tells you, I don't know, <laughs> or you don't know what's going on. And then the floodgates open, right? And uh, you're left with a puddle on your lap and you still haven't gotten your kid to brush their teeth. So either way, you lose. You either lose because you're driving a wedge or you lose because the only thing you're focused on is the relationship and there's no task orientation focus uh, in, in the household. And so you're late to whatever it is you need to do or your child misses out on an activity or uh, the, their chi your child turns into a puddle of emotion and uh, then they can't compose themselves enough to trust that they could be safe and in the community, you know, you, you might even have plenty of time, the meltdown happened in the morning, and you're second guessing yourself all afternoon uh, to see if they can handle scouts after school or to see if they can handle the birthday party at three o'clock or, or whatever, right? So it's really important that you are noticing that passive parenting, which is more appropriately what this is walking through, uh, walking around on eggshells around your child is passive. You're letting your child dictate the experience of how the household is being run. And um, when that's happening, then you are not uh, in control. Your child is in control. Again, we are going into an all or nothing experience. Either I'm all the way in charge because I've got a, a, a leash around your neck, kid, uh, and that leash sounds like a sticker chart or a privilege that they'll lose or um, a, an adverse experience like um, timeouts or, or spankings or loss or groundings. Um, or I am uh, telling you, you're entirely in charge. You'll let me know when you're ready with your big emotions and you'll be expected to control them all the way. Uh, and then you'll tell me when you're ready to do what I asked you to do, which means as a parent, you feel disempowered. So you're either going into an over control experience or an under control experience. And that dynamic is, is really difficult for a child to experience either end of that pendulum. And, and so it's really important to understand that there is a middle ground here. There's a middle ground. And when you are thinking that your way is working well, right? If you disagree with your co-parent 
or you don't see eye to eye with your co-parent and you guys are arguing, it's really important to notice that there has to be a, a third way. It can't be a binary choice in this dynamic because um, that puts you, especially if you're married, uh, or you know, no matter what, even if you're co-parenting, uh, co-parents need to be consistent. They need to be um, on the same page. Maybe not working at the same pace, but working at the on the same page. And um, there will always be strife, struggle, and disconnect in the family dynamic that will lead to a child feeling um, not anchored. They will feel loose in their boundaries and loose in their sense of capacity and, and sense of capability if parents consistently disagree on how to parent and are showing up in, in two different ways. That is not helpful for highly sensitive children especially, but all children uh, alike, okay? So what happens is that the child learns the message, I'm too fragile to handle my emotions. My emotions are too big for me to manage. And you as a parent are conveying that to them by letting their emotions run the show, all right? And usually that happens when you take your child's emotions at face value. The next thing that's really important to pay attention to is communicating the, the difference between passive parenting and neglectful parenting, right? So most of you think that passive parenting is a parent who has zero engagement with their child. I don't care what you want to do. Go ahead. Like I'm busy with work or I'm busy with my own interests. Um, uh, you know, this might show up for a parent who has more narcissistic tendencies or uh, zero care for the child, right? And, and, you know, we can go into how that happens for parents. But, um, you know, as a, as a parent who's paying attention to parenting uh, approaches that are safe and, and safe emotional attachment, safe emotional intelligence building, we can venture to guess that that level of uh, uh, choice neglect is not what's happening in your home, right? And so we don't need to go all the way to that end. But it's important to understand that passive parenting um, doesn't just look like neglectful parenting, okay? So parents who practice um, physical um, uh, physical safety can also be passive if they're not teaching their child to become emotionally resilient. And this might be a category that you fall into. And so I really want to call, um, call attention to this because children need emotional intelligence. They need to be able to notice their emotions, experience them safely, and feel like their behavior can be safe as a result right? Because if your child feels confused by their emotions or they don't know how to express them safely uh, through words or otherwise, then they will explode. They will engage in ineffective behaviors. They will experience danger in their mind and in their hearts and, and that will show up in their behavior. That will show up by either shutting down or exploding. And so it's important to, um, to notice that if you are a parent who is getting so overwhelmed um, that you are emotionally checking out from the experience, you know what, handle it, I can't anymore, and that's happening regularly, then it is time to take action. Because as a parent, uh, it is your job to solve this problem. And there's, so there's no judgment in telling you now is the time to take action uh, because we know that this is a pattern that a lot of parents fall into. And when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, that passivity shows up because you're tired, because you're exhausted, because you don't have a strategy to solve the problem, right? And so it's not, I'm not calling you a neglectful parent, um, 
uh, within, within judgment or comparing it to neglect um, because you're doing this on purpose or because you don't care about your children. This is what's important to understand is that there are parallels that you might be worried you are fitting and it's important for you to, if you're noticing that, or if you're, if you're worried about that, that you take clear and consistent action to turn this around because uh, that, that needs to be a red flag for you. Okay, this will not work itself out. This will not solve itself. Uh, your child needs to solve this problem on their own and uh, with you as le at leading the helm and you need to be the one who is teaching them how to manage this. So uh, your child will not grow out of this problem. Okay, so it's important that, um, that you are supporting your child and what does work, right? What does work is noticing how to build that emotional resilience, building emotional intelligence, teaching your child about emotions, playfully engaging with limits and setting boundaries. If your child is yelling, kick, hitting, kicking and screaming, it is not a boundary if you're allowing that to happen consistently and then you let yell, right? I'm not allowing this anymore. And that comes out with force. That is actually a very loose boundary that you eventually have a safety response to where it's a fear response. There's anger happening in yourself. And so your child needed that boundary earlier. Okay. Now, uh, this leads to confusion and um, insecurity for the child if there's no structure in the home related to that, or if your sense of structure is focused on the future rather than the here and now. Highly sensitive children need structure, they need routine, and uh, they need consistency from their parents. And so when we think about that, it's important for you to notice that your child is waiting for you to tell them what is appropriate and what is not. And that can't be from a place of just laying down the law or reminding them of the rules and hopes that they'll follow through on that differently. Children need discipline. Discipline, the definition of discipline, stems from the word disciple. Disciple is student. Discipline means to teach. Your child needs to be taught explicitly the behaviors that you want to see rather than just teaching them about the rules of what they can and cannot do. Okay, so this is really important. Highly sensitive children need much more explicit and exclusive teaching in a systematic manner than what you're likely doing in the home, especially if your child is experiencing daily meltdowns. That means that there is a, a, a mismatch in how you're teaching and how they learn. And so great news about that is that it's a lot easier to fix when you are consistently supporting them in, in experiencing how to retrain their brain to respond to stress differently, to respond to frustration differently, to respond to aggravation or worry differently. Your child actually responds in a way that feels validating. They feel validated and you also feel like you're doing what you need to do. And so you feel validated as well by, by watching the experience be successful. Okay. So this can lead to behavior issues if you're not addressing this. Okay. Um, if, if you're, you're responding out of fear, uh, anger, frustration, then your child will feel um, like they are running the show and the behavior issues cons consi consistently occur. Okay. So what does work, right? We already covered a little bit of this and we're going to cover it a little bit more uh, related to the process that we teach our clients. So here at MTC, we teach our clients to notice 
What assumptions are you making about your child? What are you believing that your child's capable of or not capable of? And how does that serve you? Uh, how does that serve your child? If you think that your child can't handle birthday parties, for example, or that they don't like them and then therefore you shouldn't bring them, then you're treating your child as fragile and you are using all encompassing statements like, you know, my kid is, is crotchety or my kid is a grouch to, ex to describe their personality in order to protect yourself from really taking a very clear look at the fact that you're the one that needs to shift, okay? So if you're using statements that actually declare how your child is in the world or who your child is based on their ineffective behavior patterns, then you are making what we call an identity statement that supports your child's identity as one that struggles. And it's really important that you pay attention to that and you start to wonder, wait a minute, you know, how am I characterizing my child's identity, their personality, who they are based on the symptoms of the meltdown cycle? Right. So if you want to learn more about the symptoms of the meltdown cycle, then go ahead and uh, take a listen to some of our other shows where we cover that more explicitly. But it's important for us to cover now that, the, that you are the one who has to shift what you see your child is capable of in order to break out of this pattern consistently. Okay. The second thing, uh, like I mentioned before, you need to be engaging in play. You need to be communicating your child in a way that they learn. Play is the child's language. Toys are their words. So they, they learn through that engagement with you and they learn through explicit instruction. And you need to be doing this in a way that doesn't feel like a lecture where your child is not being told that they're wrong or uh, whether you're doing that in explicitly, like directly, or you're doing that indirectly. Okay. And that happens by avoiding lecturing. That happens by making sure that your child does not get um, the message that they can't handle it, where you are picking up uh, responsibilities for your child that they need to be held responsible for, okay? On this, uh, and then in addition to that, uh, avoiding using punishment, right? There's a big difference between punishment and natural consequences. Natural consequences are useful to teach. And it's also true that they are not the most effective way to teach. T teaching with a child needs to happen in highlighting more what you want to see rather than what you don't want to see and letting things play out. Because it's not a matter of your child knowing the rules or remembering the rules. We can't use consequences things that are going to happen in the future to teach a child who lives in the here and now. Children do not live in the future. Their brain is not developed to consider the future in context of their actions until they're about age 25 or even older for, for many. So uh, what you're doing when you do that is you're parenting your five-year-old as if they are 25. Your child feels confused, frustrated, and stuck in that dynamic. And this is true even if your kid can tell you what they think will happen when they are in emotional control. That's logical understanding it does not mean that there's emotional understanding happening here. Uh, your child is much more impulsive when they are lacking emotion regulation skills. And that's the next thing that you need to be teaching your child is supporting them and regulating their emotions from a sense of curiosity and feeling capable of doing so. Okay. So if you want our help to break out of this pattern, you want to do that efficiently, then we help uh, parents do this all day, every day, happy to support you in breaking out of this pattern. If you want to, if you want that support, go ahead and book a call with our team. 
where we'll break down what you're struggling with, what approaches you've taken so far, whether or not the approach that we do is the right fit given your family's goals. And if uh, the, the dynamic in your household is one that will support what we teach. If it's not, or if there's something that's more efficient or effective, say for example, your child's having meltdowns based on a significant trauma that they've experienced, then we'll teach you exactly what resources you need uh, to tackle that. And you can do all of that in one simple phone call. You can make that decision to work with us in that one call, or you can get exactly what you need to end, um, end the cycle with a different resource on our call as well. If working with us is not the most effective or efficient fit for your family, we'll share uh, what would be. Okay, uh, because here at MTC, we value efficiency, we value, value systematic uh, follow through. And that means that uh, seeking professional support when it's gotten to this level is what is necessary. And uh, we're happy to discuss whether or not we're the ones who would be the, the most appropriate fit for you, or if you would be a most appropriate fit for the work that we do. Okay, now, um, what's next? How do you get there, right? That call is free. Uh, we're happy to support you in having that conversation. Now, if you're parenting a teenager in high school, freshman or above, and we have a conversation with both you and your teen to, to break out of this pattern. All right. Look forward to having that conversation with you and talk to you soon. Bye now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.